Ready, go. Alright, this is the Father Son Prepper Show, and uh, I'm here with my dad, Tony. Say hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. And I'm here with my cousin Ian, the gun expert. Say hi, hi. Ian. Hi. <laughs> Alright, so we were going to do an EMP show, but I don't know. I did some of the research, and I thought it would be really boring, and I thought it was... I don't know. I'd rather put it in an article, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write the stuff down we found and put it on the website, fathersonpreppers.com, so go look at it. And what else? We got a... The site looks different, in case any of you care. Uh, what else do we have? That's it. So what do we want to start with? You want to start with your... Connor Bears? Yeah, I can. I just wanted to put in that a 110 Kona bear is a super important thing to put in your bug out bag. For one, it's really heavy, which is not a good thing. But if you look and see how versatile it is and how hard it would be to damage or to ruin one of these things, for a long-term long situation, it would be the one of the most perfect things to have in your backpack. I have seen videos of them catching fish with it. You'd have to watch that on YouTube. It's pretty neat. But, but you can catch just about any kind of animal that'll stick their head in it, which is only about four inches. Well, they're body traps. Yeah, and well, they that, make bigger ones. So when you set it up, you're not setting it up like a, like a regular bear ankle trap or whatever they call no, this. No, it stands up and down. It's sort of like going in. You put it in like a game trail and they walk through it. And right. So you'd have to use it like the one tens, the conner bears. You'd have to use on like a small animal, or squirrels, fish. squirrel, fish. rabbit, maybe. Yep, rabbits exactly. And then the bigger ones on up. I think you should have a whole bunch of all of them, all the different sizes conner bear traps. So what do you do? Like they have, I know they have those little forks on them, the little uh, antenna-looking things. Yeah, that's so what the animal bumps into to set it off. Would you put like a bait on the? Yeah, on the trigger yeah. itself, or, or just you could put bait and say you dig out a hole in a in a bank, like a dirt bank, you know. Put the contract trap in the middle, put some bait behind it. That's uh -huh. go through it to uh, get to the bait. Nice. On the trail with no bait, if you don't have bait. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can use a conner bear, but they're almost indestructible. So indestructible. Yeah. So like, if you were to go and get cheap rat traps, rat rat snap traps, you wouldn't want to. And I mean, rat it's trap. Different would do the same type of thing in some situations but they're wood and they're going to come apart yeah they're not a they're not gonna last that long but they're cheaper these kind of bears are the not gonna come apart can take larger game as well if you say you had two of the smaller ones one of the larger ones or one of the medium-sized ones you could take a lot of different types of games whereas yeah. the rat trap might only be able to get chipmunks um, squirrels Mice. And a big conner bear will take out a coyote, a bobcat, you know, a beaver. So. But can they still step in the top of it? Yeah, if you oh. set it up that way. Oh, okay. I'm thinking they have you to go in the side. You can set it flat on the ground or you can set it up vertically. Yeah, you can dig a little hole and set it there to where they stepped onto it. Same type of thing. Oh, okay. I but it's going to jump up a little bit. Yeah, I didn't realize the you. The way it springs, but. Yeah, if you guys don't have conner bears. It's to trigger it. Is where it is, yeah. Right? yeah, in the center. As long okay. as those can move. So, I just think that's one of the most important things you can have preparing for anything is these conibear traps. And a 110 small enough to put in your backpack. So, cool. look into so, it. Yeah, we need to get. You've got one, right? Or two? Yeah, I've got 
Four of each size. Maybe we'll play with them. I want to check those out. So I want to say also, uh, I was talking to my my buddy Tim, and he lives in a big city, and I didn't. He's like a he's a programmer, so I, I didn't really know he was into prepping at all. But I showed him the site, and he uh, he told me, yeah, I've been into prepping for years. And I said, well, what the heck? You never told me about it or anything. He said, you well, you never asked. But I asked him why he did it, and he had a really cool saying. He said, well, you buy a spare tire for when your tire pops, but it really almost never happens, right? Yeah. And he said, well, that's just why I prep, because you never know. But he was saying that uh, since he lives in a big city, he has his bag, and he has a storage shed he can walk to, and he's walking. he can walk to the storage shed real quick, get on his dirt bike, and he's got enough gas to get him out of the city. And he recycles the gas, he throws it in his truck every month, to keep the gas fresh and he rides his bike once a month to keep the gas fresh and he brain fart oh oh I was gonna say also where he got his food he got an idea to get his food he was trying to find places with food that lasts a long time and he went to check out these these shipping companies that have these big life rafts for their for their crew and the life rafts, they just buy a new life raft survival kit. And they come with food in them that lasts eight years, he said. And he, I forget the name. I'll put it in the link of the company. But he said it's like Dysix or Dyson or something like that. But anyway. So the food lasts eight years. He's got a month's supply just for himself. And he doesn't have a family or anything. So I thought that was really cool. And I think it's very smart because there's only a few different ways you're going to get out of a city if everybody's trying to get out. That's going to be a, a motorcycle or on these railroad tracks with these... <laughs> the rail bikes, yeah. The rail bikes. You know? Oh, yeah. Check that article out on the website, too. That's a really cool article. That is a very neat way to get out of a city unless you just flat out hike. So, yeah, if you guys are living in a city or even close to a city, get it figured out. That's one of the most important things to get out of a city. What episode, I think it was episode one we talked about, I talked about getting a primitive weapon. Mm. I I was looking for a bow to, to uh, buy, and I was going to go to Cabela's and get one, one of the cheaper ones for like 150 bucks, with uh, like a recurve bow with a 40, 35 to 40 to 50 pound pull, bow pull, and uh, Ian actually had one, so I totally got that from him, so I'm going to start working on my shooting accuracy at 10 yards and 20 yards just to see if I can hit even hit a target at 20 yards. I don't even know. If I, I probably can't right now, but but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> There's a good story about Ian shooting. You shouldn't have your boat there. Missing the straw belt and hitting my aluminum boat. <laughs> Did he? Was he shooting the bow? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. right behind the straw belt. Shouldn't have it there. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah. move your boat. That was awesome, yeah. Don't shoot. <laughs> Listen to your hunter safety training. So, yeah, we wanted to also talk about... Ian is, like, a super gun expert. And uh, he was... I was asking him what a really good, cheap rifle would be. And I said, you know, and I was going to do... Uh, I just wanted to be able to hunt with it, and I wanted to have cheap ammo. And I didn't really need a scope. That was my thought, right? Mm -hmm. And what did you say, Ian? 
I told them the Mosin the Mosin Nagant would probably be the best choice because you can get it for around 150 bucks at most um, gun retailers, especially if they cater to uh, surplus firearms. I know Cabela's usually has them. Um, Do they come packed in grease? The is ones that... from Cabela's, you bought, um, they clean the grease off beforehand. Oh. And honestly, if you're going to go out and shoot it, that's better because yeah. it's sort of a pain to clean. But um, you can get the guns for 150 bucks, fairly accurate out to 400 yards with open sights. You can go farther if you're a better shooter, but that's probably the limit you want to go. Um, well, the caliber is well, okay. I, I've, I've seen on some of those guns, they have the flip-up sight that you can they change. They and you can change the elevation, but like I said, it's all about the shooter himself. Personally, me, I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable trying to make a shot past 300 yards because that's the limit I think I could act accurately hit a target repeatedly. Right. Um, because it's only you're only seeing such a small... Yeah. Area, right? Yep. Like at that distance, you're trying to just hit the thing, not hit the heart yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the bullets are cheap? The bullets are cheap. Uh, the caliber is 7.62 by 54R. The R stands for rimmed. It is a rimmed cartridge. Um, you can get a 440 round sealed span can for 90 bucks before shipping from cheapwinder.com. It's, um... And so that's just bullets packed in grease? Not grease, it's, um, they're just packed in little paper packages, 20 rounds a piece, and then has an aluminum can, or steel can, um, just around it, like, basically looks like a spam can. That's like, call them oh, it actually looks like a spam can. I'm thinking ammo box. No, looks oh, like a spam dang. can. You have to use a can opener to get it open. Dang. Keep um, the moisture out of it. That is awesome. Know. It is. I have a few of those in my closet. Is it as big as an ammo can? Or uh, is it like one of the... It's about as big, yeah. Yeah, okay. It holds 440 rounds, so... Okay. Um, That's sweet. So it's easy to store uh, the ammunition for a long period of time if you don't open that. Uh, you can buy stripper clips for those rifles, so you can put five rounds in a stripper clip, put them in the gun real fast. What's a stripper clip? Case um, stripper clip is, with bolt-action rifles, um, some semi-automatics, they have a little guide... Um, and the top of the receiver, you strip, you put the clip in there, the bullets are all lined up, you push it down with your thumb, the bullets go into the clip. It's basically a detachable magazine before they had detachable magazines. Cheaper and um, fairly effective. I, they use them on the SKS, and I know most of the rifles in World War, ha World War I had them. So you're talking about, a, there's a small clip that fits in the bottom of the gun, right? Well, that, no, like it's a fixed little... clip in the bottom of the gun. Oh, it's fixed. You fix clip in the bottom of the gun. So it's a five-round clip in the Mosin gun. And um, it's fixed there. It has a guide in the top of the receiver where the bolt is. So you put a little, it's a little metal, um, just like a little strip of metal, holds the cartridges in it, five of them, you know, to fill up the clip. You put that in the top, and you just push them down out of that thing, pull it out of the top, and you're ready to go. It's like a quick loader yeah. to, to load your built-in clip. It's basically a speed loader. Okay. You know? yeah. They call them stripper clips. Cool. It's what they used before they detachable magazines became popular. I've seen one of those. You, I think you had one, didn't you? The SKS. Yeah, it uses them. It's set up that way too. So I got some of my bullets. Yeah. And the most clips. What other guns will the Mosin Nagant shell go into? Like other common? Are there any other common? Um, there are other Russian-made guns. Uh, I have a. It's called PSL 54C. It's a Romanian sniper rifle. So it's sort of not very common, you know. Um, they also have the more common variant. It's called a Vepper. Um, it's new a new import gun. They're importing them from, I think, Romania, Russia, somewhere, you know. Um, and 
They're pretty expensive. They're around yeah, that's a rare. Bucks. Those are rare guns anyway, right? They're not really rare. You can find them anywhere that deals a lot in AK-47 type rifles. But you're probably not going to find it in some guy's basement if you're searching through their house. Probably not, but okay. there were millions of Mosin and Gauss made. I think there have been four million imported to the United States. Whoa. So you have a good chance of finding that ammunition and that particular rifle if you want to go look at it. Sweet. So what about, why wouldn't you want to, why wouldn't you say people should have just get a twenty two? Um, at the moment, twenty two ammunition is hard to come by, and if you wanted to hunt with the rifle without it, the world going to, um, yeah. Well, anyway, if you want to hunt with the <laughs> rifle now, um, the Mosin gun is legal to hunt with. Oh, it's a centerfire rifle. Because um, the twenty two is not legal because it just damages an animal. Yeah, it's a rimfire cartridge. It's too small to really kill it unless you, you're aiming right. I mean, you could take down an elk with it. Um, I wouldn't really advise trying, but... Because you might just wound it and it'll run off and it'll and die and be illegal, a waste. And it's illegal, you know? And it's illegal, okay. Um, but no, the Mosin Gaunt, it, uh, the caliber it has, take any game in North America. Twenty two is a valuable rifle that it has its place, but for a cheap rifle you want to get a lot of ammunition for that can take down anything you want it to, the most thing would probably be the best. Nice. I think I want one. Yeah, I think you should have one. And for the person that's just starting to prep and you can't afford something too expensive, that's the way to go. 150 bucks plus if you were caching and you had to buy several of them and you wanted all your stuff standardized, that's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. Because it's a good quality rifle, right? Yeah. Um, the finish, they're wartime made, so the finish isn't as good, but honestly, it's not going to break. It's not going to... So you're talking the paint. On. Yeah, basically, well, yeah. You're not talking about the stock finish. No, you're talking about, well, like, the paint on the metal itself. No, it's basically, think it's just World War II Russian rifle. Think of it like that. Right. You get what you pay for. Right. And it's going to be extremely reliable. It's not going to break on you. It was made for cold weather conditions, but it'll work anywhere. Yeah, you know? and do you think, are there different, like, are there different quality? Like, can I go and buy a much more expensive you one? You can. Like the, the pre-war ones, um, or hex receiver ones, there's a round receiver and a hex receiver. Hex is the earlier ones. They're really well manufactured, sort of the Finnish ones, because a lot of different countries manufacture them. Russia was just the main one. Yeah. The Finns make a really good Mosin-Nagant, though, and it, that don't cost around 400 bucks. Nice. So... But it's got a lot better quality. It does. It has a better stock, better finish, better sights. Huh. Well, how much is the SKS's now? SKS, like three to six hundred, depending yeah. on the quality. But that comes from, they come from all kinds of countries, right? Yeah. China, they Russia. Come, China actually made their own Mosin as well. Really? They did. It was a, it's called the Type 53. It has a side folding bayonet on it, shorter than the standard 9130. That's the one you were telling us about, yeah. Mine's a Russian one, but oh, yeah. Oh, is it? It's called the. It's the same ammo, right? It is. Nice. The Chinese ones are lower quality, though. Are they cheaper? You can get the M44 and the M or and the Type 53 about the same price. Okay, so the rush, the low quality Russian and the Chinese are about the same price. Yeah. That's awesome. But that's for the side folding bayonet. Like I said, the shorter side folding bayonet ones. The 9130 is the standard most they got. Huh. And that's the 150 dollar one. I like the idea of not using a scope. Yeah. I know a lot of people are scope hounds and they love it, but... A scope just makes it easier for you to shoot if you are not really good with rifles or, right. you know... But what um, if, but in a survival well, situation, how many people that are going to be listening to this are going to be 
qualified to shoot in a scope, to sight in a scope? Hunters. Hunter. Well, because I've never done it, I don't know how to do it. Well, it's easier, honestly. Well, yeah. It's a crosshair. You stick it on your target and you pull the trigger. And then what do you do if you're say you hit lower and what distance? I mean, there's like uh, I sight my scopes in for a hundred yards, and just eyeball it after that. Yeah, you just aim a little high. It's called Kentucky windage. You just nice. Aim left, right, high, low, whichever way you hit, you aim the opposite. Huh. So, but in a survival situation, if you've got a bigger family, you need a couple guys with some long-range rifles and some scopes. So, maybe well, you need, you, I don't like the idea of take... having a rifle without iron sights. I know a lot of bolt-action rifles nowadays, like uh, the Remington 700s, they don't come with iron sights. Wow. That so is if, you're, yeah. if your scope breaks, you're screwed. Simple I didn't even know that. You can just use Kentucky siding and just look yeah, down the barrel. Yeah, just use Kentucky siding. Let me that is weird. So, yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking is a scope. I mean, if a scope, scope is just another factor that can fail. Yeah. You know? So, I guess you could add it, but make you sure you have iron sights. But it'll keep your enemy further away. Yeah. Well, if you can shoot further away. If you're good enough with iron sights, you can shoot just as far as the scope. That's true, too. So I want to get back to this. Hold on, I want to get back to the scope thing. <laughs> okay. This is cool. I like this. Uh, when you see, I, I'm, I've got a target at a hundred yards out. Okay. I've got my scope. It's all mounted correctly. I shoot and it's off. What do I do to adjust the scope? Are there adjustments on the yeah, scope? There are. You just, yeah. um, they have dials. You just sort of. Um, on the mount or on the no on the it's scope? on the actual scope itself it moves the crosshairs inside because I've seen them with dials I wasn't yeah. sure if that was distance no you were changing well you can and those are there are two types like three year hunting scope it's gonna have dials that you have a screw on things so they're protected they don't ever move right. um, tactical more tactical style scopes they actually pop off so you can move them yourself but I wouldn't really recommend that unless you were trained to do it to you know? change the I guess yeah, the pitch yeah. and the roll inside. It takes a lot of math. Like, if you're going to make a shot 900 yards, you're going to need to change stuff up, you know? Right. But it's going to take math. You're going to have to know the wind speed, the all kinds of stuff. It's Personally, I think it's better to just have it set at a certain range. You know what it's going to do, and you can... Um, well, at 900 yards, yourself. you could afford to just hike your lazy butt closer. Yeah, exactly. They're if you really cool. want to shoot something. If you know where your leads are hitting, you can adjust with iron sights really fast. Mm -hmm. I was shooting, it seemed like a quarter mile away with an SKS shooting something that was floating down a river. Well, and within far. within a couple uh -oh. shots, uh -oh. I was hitting SKS hitting is the... How far is a quarter the mile? The quarter mile is like <laughs> uh -oh. a quarter of 5,000 feet. So, whatever that is. No, uh, don't bring math in. No, I'm just saying, uh, SKS is 7.62 by 39 millimeter ammunition. It can only go out to 300 yards, or 330 yards, I guess, because it's 300 meters. That's the maximum recommended range for that caliber. So you could have been shooting a Oh, I was away. lobbing these over there, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was far, and you were just adjusting. Tell us what you were doing exactly with the sights, because I, I didn't get what you were doing. You were just adjusting. I would aim, I'd aim an inch higher, and I'd aim two inches higher. You can lob a bullet out there a long ways if you can see where it's hitting. Yeah. Right. You know, if you can't see where it's hitting, there's no way you're shooting that far. Well, it's different. Like a lot of the places back east, it's really hard to get of anything other than 100 yards or 200 yards or 300 yards because there's so many trees. 
probably not going to get past 50 yards in Florida. <laughs> yeah, you've been yeah you've been yeah. in Florida a bunch, unless you're out in the city on a building. Yeah, down, shooting down Main Street. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> That's cool. So the Mosin... Mosin? Mosin the gun. You can Mosin say however you want. I, I totally want... I really want one of those guns. I like the idea of the iron sights, though, because I like... Especially the fold-up ones that you can adjust. And the... It has a hooded front sight, you know, so you can knock that front sight around. It's not going to move. Right. And another cool thing, um, with AK-47s, SKSs, Mosin the guns, that hood and the front sight, if you put that on your target center of mass 50 yards or closer you have a good chance of hitting them you don't even have to aim down the rear sight you know really? what i mean so i think i want to talk about the rear sight have you used those a lot i have it's, so when you fold them up they have they have numbers that's yards they don't fold them up that the way it works is there's um it's like a ramp okay so it oh. increases the increases or decreases the angle and it has um marks for how many yards it is right i think okay. it's meters for a russian but you uh -oh. know same difference that's like gonna trip me up. Four feet instead of three oh. feet, whatever it is. Now we're never gonna hit nothing. That's over. I <laughs> I'm not gonna get that gun now. Anyway, so when you go to use it, you're you're putting it to that distance. You are. And then that's set up to fire accurate at that distance. It is, but I've never really had to do that honestly, because like I said, you're gonna be shooting past 300 yards, and you don't really need to adjust the sights for get, to go 300 yards. You wouldn't so, just put it to the max and just try for it. Why would you, like? I would rather save my ammunition until I knew I could hit it, hit the target. Right. You know what I mean? So you, need, be sure. you need to lower your, you need to know, need to know your limits before you start trying to shoot something. So don't just buy this gun and throw it in your backpack or if you're gonna, and throw if, it in your car. And try to buy two spam cans. Stay one away and shoot the other you one. You need to shoot your rifle. <laughs> you can't just store it because if you don't, yeah. you're not going to know how it works. You're not going to know how to do anything with it, really. Cool. Dang, that was good. I wanted to talk about your uh, Tony's cool prepper tip of the show. You have a cool prepper tip? Oh. You do have a cool prepper tip. Tell us about that. Do I? <laughs> uh, one thing, I've never heard anybody talk about prepping or a bug out bag. Here, here first. Would be to have some keys with you. <laughs> Nobody thinks about having keys. Cat keys, case keys, heavy equipment keys. They're not as hard as you think to get a hold of these keys, but somebody that works around heavy equipment, you know, beg borrowing, but somehow get a hold of some of these keys. A heavy piece of equipment could block a road into your bug out spot, you know. <laughs> it could do, it could block a road off into a whole entire town with a piece of heavy equipment by having a couple pieces of, you know, a couple keys. And all the keys for like CAD are the same, right? No, they're they not. Okay. There's the old style CAD keys and a new one. Okay, but it's like the, And on some of the new equipment, vehicles. no, on some of this new equipment, they take both keys, the old key and the new key. What? It takes a new key to open up the engine compartment. In the engine compartment, you put in the old key to turn on the master power switch. And then the new key turns on the piece of equipment. Whoa. So you have that's, to have the old keys and the new keys. Why? That, that seems sort of weird. Why well, because there's so many of those keys out there anyway, the old keys. I'm just... That they move to the new I'm keys. I'm just saying that the cat keys themselves work in cat vehicles. You don't have to 
they don't have a specific key manufactured for that specific vehicle. No, 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 no. Okay. It's all cat equipment. That's also really whether weird. it's a little skid steer thing. Well, who's gonna want? Or who's something big. Go steal a backhoe off the. I anywhere. happen to know someone who got stuck. You got you guys know him, but you don't know who. But anyway, they got stuck in a river under a bridge. Okay. Not this bridge here. Okay. Um, over at the little town between me and that. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> got stuck under a river, and it was like on prom night, or under the bridge in the river on prom night. Well, the county yard's right next to the bridge. He had a cat key, and he went up and got got a loader in the middle of the night, broke it out, went down, pulled himself out, put the loader back, shut the gate back, and oh, <laughs> wrote like a thank you note on the loader. <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> but it was a, such a small town that, yeah. and then there's like no one, there was no one around it, so there's... I don't recommend one. that part of it. <laughs> I just thought that was cool. And end of the world scenario... Having those couple keys is not that much weight. Having them in your backpack, you never know. Plus, there's a couple videos out there on picking locks and using a pop can to open up locks and stuff. I have a shotgun. Yeah, shotgun. But that would let everybody know that you were there. Yeah, what about well, I have the a shotgun? And a shotgun so I can, yeah. I can, you know. Yeah. Keys, people. Get some, get some keys. For some of these different kinds of equipment. I didn't think that's what you were going to say. Let's and give the other pepper tip, too. Well, yeah, you Which, have one the real down one. for you. Right? The, the lint. Oh, you want that pepper tip? A lot of people know this, but some don't. Uh, using your fire starter and using lint from your dryer. Uh, and I did work. it with my mom and my daughter. And in a split second, they had a fire going. And it kind of shocked them how easy it was. It's like having the perfect tinder without going anywhere for it. And it doesn't it's free. Weigh, it doesn't weigh anything and it's free. And to have in your bug out bag is perfect. I used a Oh, a can with I'm trying to think what the can was. Are you it's talking about an aluminum can, right? Yeah, it's just a small aluminum can. But you can pack a lot of lint into that and put that in your backpack and use just a little bit. And then to go a step further you use the Vaseline onto the lint, just a thin layer, and that keeps it a little bit waterproof, burns it a little bit longer, and that's just the ultimate thing to have in your backpack. And you're talking about a little bit of Vaseline for a lot little. of it. Because it'll just coat you still want to get the, um, the more air it has in it, you know, the better it's going to take that. Yeah, so it's not caked. It's just you take a little bit of Vaseline on your hand and then rub it over all of your lint, you know. So, <laughs> it's just something, try it. Trust me, once you do it, all the other ways of starting fires are slow compared to that. And if you don't want to use Vaseline, you don't really have to. It's just a bonus. Yeah, it's just help a little bit for the waterproof and makes the lint burn just a little bit longer. But it's, it'll start a fire in a quick hurry. Okay, that's it. Our next video we're going to try to do, instead of the EMP, we're going to try to do Navigating by the Stars because think that's a hundred times more useful that I think the EMP stuff we just need to throw in an article if people really want to read it they can I still think it's real important I think it's a real big possibility but to, as a good show as a show that people want to listen to it I just don't know I don't know <laughs> if they want the information they'll read the article yeah we'll just put it we'll make it bare bones so it doesn't have a bunch of fluff it just has the basics and then also this we're on YouTube we're on iTunes we're on our website to listen to this, and we're on Stitcher. If any, if you're on any of those, please like, 
give us a good comment that helps us gain traction because we go up in the standings and the rankings as we get more people to like it so that's it um thanks for listening and we'll see you next time